0: Hey guys. Howdy. Uh, I'm Dave, if you don't know me. Good to see everyone. Uh, My sister is here from New Zealand and her husband. Yes, I have a sister. Yes, here she is. And a brother-in-law. So say hello to them later. Good to see you, Wendy, too. Hey, man, it's been a while, so great. We'll, We'll catch up. Um, We're doing a series on Luke's Gospel, the stories, these are all the stories, they're all up on the website now, the new website, and this is the image we're using for the series, Uh, so check them out. Uh, Given that we're dedicating Adelaide and Imogen, I thought, why don't we do Mary and Martha from Luke 10. Uh, Now, these girls don't look like Imogen and Adelaide very much, but I thought... You know, redheads maybe, uh, but I'm sure this story will be very important for them as sisters. It's Danielle's favourite passage and she said it was just a great encouragement raising twins <laughs> to to know this story. Um, this is the third story in a row that we've looked at where Jesus relates to women. And I know a lot of you women know this story so well. It's so important to you and I hope I don't, you know, I, I just feel out of my depth uh, and I know that you guys know more than me about this passage, but here we go. Um, Let's look at what happens after we first set the scene. Mary and Martha are mentioned three times in the Gospels, three different incidences. And uh, this one here is in Luke 10. We meet Mary and Martha. Then in Luke 11, we meet their brother Lazarus who has died. And then in Luke 12, they're having a a dinner party in Jesus' honour after he has raised Lazarus from the dead And so in these three stories, we learn a lot about Mary and Martha. We have several hints from these stories that they're a wealthy family. Lazarus' grave was hewn out of the rock and there was a stone in front of it. That's the grave of a very wealthy family. Another indicator of their wealth is in the third incident, uh, they're having a a dinner party uh, at Simon the leper's house and Mary comes in and she pours perfume on Jesus' head and on his feet Judas says the perfume is worth 300 denarii, which is $45,000. So probably her dowry, but only a wealthy person would own a $45,000 jar of perfume. So clearly a wealthy family. Uh, Mary and Martha live together and possibly with Lazarus as well. This um, is common for extended families to live together. We think of families as nuclear families, they thought of brothers and cousins and aunts and uncles all living together. They seem to be singles. There's no reference to husbands here with these two women. So it appears that we have two singles or maybe three living together. This is highly unusual uh, for this culture that you would remain single. Remember Dan Brown in the Da Vinci Code said that Jesus must have married Mary Magdalene because how could there possibly be a Jewish man unmarried? in that time. Well yes it was unusual for people to remain unmarried. However there's one exception to that and there were whole communities of single Jewish people called the Essenes. Now the Essenes uh, were communities of men and women who remained unmarried and they had community houses that they lived in in Bethany and Bethlehem Qumran, Jerusalem, Emmaus, Jericho, all in the Judea region. Not up in Galilee where Jesus is from, but in this Judea region around Jerusalem. This is amazing. Um, John the Baptist was single, so he may well have been an Essene. He also lived as a single man in community. And scholars are now pretty sure that the Qumran community um, was an Essene community down by the Dead Sea. Who's been there? Yeah. And it's a famous tourist destination. It seems like it was a place where young Essenes went and learnt about the Essene way. So what we have is both male and female Essenes uh, living in community. They would pool their money. They would give to the poor. Uh, They were famous for that. And um, there were three Essene communities on the east of Jerusalem that welcomed pilgrims up from from Jericho and one of those communities was in Bethany where Mary and Martha lived. Wow. Now, this means that probably Mary and Martha and Lazarus were Essenes and were single by choice and part of that religious group. There are other hints too that they were Essenes. The traditional site for the Last Supper was in the Essene section of Jerusalem. Now, I've got this picture up here. Is it showing? Yeah. This, this is Jerusalem today and this is Bethany where Mary and Martha lived. The wall that they've constructed. I took this, I showed this, I talked to Fez this afternoon from the bunker, who works at the bunker. This is where Fez comes from. This is where his mother is, lives. And he said, when he visits there, they let him go through the wall because he's an Australian citizen, but they won't let his mother through the wall. So this is Bethany, this is what we're talking about. You can see here the Dome on the Rock, and which was the temple area, and old Jerusalem's up here, and part of Old Jerusalem was the Essene Quarter where we think the Last Supper was. So all I'm saying there is that Jesus seems to have had a relationship with this community. There are similarities between the very first New Testament church and the Essene movement because they shared everything in common and gave to the poor. And the Essenes are the only community that Jesus doesn't criticize <laughs> out of all the religious groups in, in that time. So the Essenes remained unmarried. And so this fits with Mary, Martha and possibly Lazarus, three singles living together. and Perhaps this is why Jesus had such an intimate relationship with them. He was also single. And so these are devout, single people seeking God that he seems to have a really close relationship with. They're all singles. And um, later they're in the home of Simon the leper. The Essenes also cared for lepers. And Mary pours that very expensive bottle of perfume on Jesus' head and feet. And Judas, who seems to be an Essene, says, that should have been given to the poor. Um, So all of this is circumstantial evidence that Mary and Martha were part of the Essene community. And that just, for me, just gives me a historical base for what's happening, and I get very excited about that. Alrighty, you ready for the story? (laughs) Okay, so what happens between Mary, Martha and Jesus when Martha invites Jesus to dinner in Luke 10? She invites Jesus to her home, and Jesus at this point is in his last phase of his life as he heads for his death in Jerusalem, and he leaves Galilee behind and concentrates on Judea. He's a very famous man who is already incredibly famous. It's more than Bono coming to dinner, or the Pope, right? <laughs> so what do, think, what do you think Martha's concern is with Jesus coming for dinner? What matters to Martha, do you think? Preparation. Preparation. She's not getting the, the leftovers out, right? She't <laughs> she, Her concern is to pres, provide a really top-class meal for this visiting rabbi. And she's upset, because as she prepares this meal, her sister Mary is doing nothing except sitting at Jesus' feet learning from him. Why is Mary upset? I'm going to ask you guys a lot of questions right now. Why is Mary upset? Why is Martha upset? Sorry, I'm going to do that. She's doing all the work, yeah? She's Do you reckon she's upset because she's missing out? Maybe. Okay, i am putting put it up there, yeah? Sorry? You would be, for sure. That says something about you right there. Yeah, if Mary got up to help, then Martha would have time to sit with Jesus. Yeah. What is she thinking? Jealous, perhaps? Lazy woman? Lazy younger sister, maybe? Older sister, younger sister dynamic here, perhaps? Um, One thing that might have been upsetting her is that sitting at, A rabbi's feet is a technical term meaning taking the position of a disciple. That's why Mary has a book with her. She is a disciple of Jesus. He is teaching her. And we know that in this time, nobody anywhere ever had women disciples. None of the rabbis took women as disciples except Jesus. And perhaps Martha is upset that her little sister is Assuming the place of men and breaking the rules. And perhaps Martha's distressed by that, I don't know. But that's certainly the case, that she is taking the the position of a disciple. So, what is Martha thinking and feeling before this little outburst where she says a whole bunch of stuff to Jesus? What's she feeling and thinking? Right. Yeah, c- c- could well be annoyance, frustration. Yeah. could be uh, an element of yeah. and then it would look better and it would be better. Yes. Be more yes. I, I. I. That's how I read it. So I'm agreeing with you, Wendy. Wendy agrees with me. That's even better. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> that's how I'm reading it. You know, that that, that Martha really is concerned with the meal being prepared and she's frustrated that she's not getting the help that she needs. Um, There's all this work to do. Come on, Mary, help. What's it like doing all the work when your sister is just relaxing, (laughs) doing nothing, right? I mean, a lot of us work hard. We're working hard and the next person's doing nothing. How does that feel? What does it feel like? What are we thinking It's not fair. It is not fair. Something I feel quite often. I'm frustrated. These other people are doing nothing. And I appear to be doing all the work. Who is Martha upset with? Mary and Jesus, both. She's upset with Jesus. Why is she upset with Jesus? So he's, he's giving Mary all the attention. Yeah, he's, dist- he's distracting <laughs> Mary from what she should be doing. He hasn't told her to go and help. What does he seem to be as a male at this point? Blind. Blind. <laughs> oblivious. So we have an oblivious male, this is according to Martha, an oblivious male, perhaps, and perhaps a lazy younger sister, perhaps. I'm, I'm just feeling that Martha, every time she passes as she's doing all the work, she, the steam is rising, right? <laughs> What's Martha's attitude or tone where she says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. What's the tone? complaining self-righteous. Wow. It took me forever to get to that. So <laughs> that was where yeah. Yeah, I think I think actually she's self-righteous. And I've been thinking about this all week that you know what? I'm self-righteous. It's not complicated. I get frustrated a lot of times with a lot of things and at the heart of that is I'm actually proud I'm self-righteous that these other people are not doing what I do. You've got an oblivious male, perhaps she's thinking that, and an oblivious sister um, that Mary is seeing. she's self-righteous, she's superior, she's pr- proud. And you can tell it in the way she phrases this, you're letting me do all the work. The modern version of that would be victim, you know, it's seeing ourselves as a victim. But so often, acu- thinking that we're victims is covering our own self-righteousness. So what does he accuse Jesus of? Not caring. Not caring. The Son of God who <laughs> taught us about compassion isn't compassionate is what she's kind of implying. You don't care. Clearly she's a hard worker, there's nothing wrong with that, right? Great, fantastic. However, she's taking her strength and she's making demands on others and I do that. What I'm good at, what are my strengths, I then judge others by that. I see myself as superior and I demand that others behave the same way I do have the same strengths that I have. That is pride. That's pride. What's the other way she could have responded? Mm. Yeah. She could have asked the question rather than, rather than accusing Asked the question. Yeah. Could have sat down with them. Thanks Danny, that's great. <laughs> Cheese and ham toasties would have been a better option and who cares, right? Spend the time with Jesus. Maybe not ham. Not not ham. We're talking we're talking Jewish here. <laughs> okay. Lamb, (laughs) lamb, cheese and lamb. Alrighty. Yeah, well, she could have just said, hey, Mary, you enjoy this special time with Jesus and I'll work harder so you you can have that time. Free her sister up to enjoy Jesus in that way and to love Jesus in a different way than Martha was loving Jesus. So there's a problem with good principles. What good principles... We're on Martha's mind. Just quickly go through. What do you think were the good principles that she believed in here? Hospitality. Hospitality. Yeah. Honour. Honouring by doing a great meal. Importance of serving. Maybe the principle of we all should have a part to play in, in that serving and we all should sort of muck in and do stuff. Everything should, be, everything should be fair. Now, here's some questions for you. What good principle did Simon the Pharisee have in a previous story we've looked at when he's disgusted that Jesus is allowing an immoral woman to touch him? Um, she's pouring perfume on his feet, wetting his feet with her tears and wiping them with her hair. And Simon the Pharisee is disgusted by that. What do you think were his good principles? What were the good things he was believing in right then? The rules, the rules. The rules what? The rules. I just there is, there is the law. Yeah, keeping the law. So what, what law? Live a, Live a holy life. You know, keep away from immoral people purity be pure stay away from people who might drag you down what good principle did the older brother of the prodigal son have in mind when he was angry that his father threw a party to welcome the younger son home and the younger son had spent heaps of money blew all the cash what was the good principle that the older son believed Honor your father and mother. Yes. Justice. The injustice of it. Not wasting. Not wasting money. What good principle did the people of Jericho have in mind when uh, it's coming? When Jesus invited himself over to the house of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, and they disapproved of that what good principles do they have in mind? Don't associate, don't associate with sinners. Or don't help an oppressive government because the tax collectors were collecting money for the Romans who were oppressing the Jews. So all I'm saying here is, man, we can have great principles. <laughs> all of us, we've got great principles. Hard work, you know, mixing with the right people, you know, all should, everyone should muck in and, and help each other. Serving, hospitality. This, We've got all these great principles. So if the principles are good, what is wrong with these people? Yeah. The principles were more important than Jesus, would, would be a way to say it. Yes. Yes. Um, that there's an inherent self-righteousness. And I want to say three things about self-righteousness. Firstly, good principles can mask our self-righteousness. Secondly, self-righteousness can blind us to what's really going on. It can blind us. Our pride blinds us to the reality of what's going on around us. When we take a superior stance over someone, we're blinded to what's really happening Simon the Pharisee didn't see that that immoral woman was repenting. The older brother didn't see that his younger brother was broken and repenting. Um, The people disapproving of Jesus going to the house of Zacchaeus didn't see that we're to love everyone, no matter who they are and what they do. Martha doesn't see that Mary was doing what was more important, and that was Jesus, (laughs) Her, her relationship with Jesus and listening to him. She didn't see the more important thing and her self-righteousness blinded her to that. Does that make sense? And thirdly, self-righteousness, will often behind that is idolatry. Idolatry is where we love secondary things more than the most important thing, which is God, where the secondary thing becomes the primary thing. What are the secondary things which have become the primary thing for Martha? What are they? A meal. a meal, a great meal. Hospitality. I was thinking etiquette, you know, just to do the things the right way. Okay, wanting to be loved for her deeds. And she felt denigrated somehow because she was ignored. So there's some, something about her, her own worth as a person needing to be bolstered. That was the important thing for her, perhaps. I, I put down being organised. Just try to think of things that are current for me. <laughs> uh, maybe for you it's cleanliness. What, what, what other things do you see in Martha that perhaps were the secondary thing that had become the primary thing? Right like the way seeing her as a hospitable person, you know as a great hostess, yeah achieving the goal, achieving the goal. and in a sense you know she's the, she's a real doer, isn't she doing doing doing, doing, uh and that's me um and often we're we're so preoccupied with doing that we forget to sit at the feet of jesus um so let's. Think about what that means, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Why do you think this story comes straight after the parable of the Good Samaritan? What's Luke doing in placing it like that? The Good Samaritan is all about doing. And Martha, you know, she's the ultimate Good Samaritan. Like she really is giving generous... Hard, you know, serving. So I think what Jesus is doing is providing balance. Yes, we're to be compassionate. Yes, we are to serve. Yes, we're to give generously. But we need to balance that against being. Not just doing. We're to balance the doing with being. Resting in grace. Uh, Faith, you could call it, you know. We need to balance our acts of love with exercising faith. Faith as resting in his grace, receiving from him, being nourished by Jesus. Uh, We need this balance. And Christian life in some ways is faith expressing itself through love. And so we're going to go back to faith all the time. Back to let's sit, sit at Jesus' feet and hear from him, put our faith in him, rest in what he's done for us to be re-energized and nourished. So that's going to be the balance that we're going to have to negotiate. So we've got this incredible love uh, passage, the Good Samaritan, but now we have this incredible passage about, you know what, even more important than being a Good Samaritan, of course, is resting in grace. We know Martha was in the wrong because Jesus tells us that she's wrong and that clarifies a lot of things, which is great. Uh, But Jesus doesn't deal with her wrong behaviour, he deals with her heart. And he says, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing's necessary. And Mary, she's chosen the good portion, and that's not going to be taken away from her. One thing's necessary. You're anxious and troubled about many things. Jesus goes to Martha's heart. And so many of the things I do are driven by anxiety. Self-righteousness, what's behind that? Often it's anxiety and fear. What's behind pride? More often than not, fear. Jesus goes after her anxiety. Martha, Martha, it's such a tender expression. He clearly loves Martha. Martha, Martha, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. What does portion mean? Yeah, but what is it? Where do we use the word portion? Measure? Yeah, it's actually related to food. You know, he's really saying Mary has taken the better meal. Uh, Martha's preparing a meal, but Jesus is serving a meal and he's feasting with Mary. Jesus is feeding her. Remember Jesus told Satan, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And this is part of it. He himself, as Marty keeps reminding us, is fed by his father, and now he feeds Mary. So he corrects Martha's anxiety by going to the root of her problem, and it's her need for Jesus to feast on him. The answer to our anxiety is a good meal with Jesus Christ, feeding on him, feasting on him. And that's what we've been doing with Luke's Gospel. I don't know if you noticed, just a lot of really good feasting on (laughs) Jesus Christ. It's been great. And we need that. And it's my prayer for Adelaide and Imogen that that's what they're going to do in their whole life is to keep coming back to Jesus, feasting on the good meal of Jesus and what he tells us, what he's done for us. This is Rembrandt's sketch. Jesus in the middle and... Mary over here with the books. I didn't have books in those days, but anyway. Um, And Jesus is looking at Martha, but look look at how Rembrandt's done Martha. And for a while people thought that the, the sketch had been damaged by somebody, but modern technology has revealed that the smudging is actually part of the art. It's part of what Rembrandt deliberately did. And he's really saying that our lives are smudgy, they're blurred unless we're getting the right the right focus on Jesus That's it. Does anyone want to just say something in response? A couple of people. Yeah, Andrew does. Yeah. And that and that's, that's the that's the thing that you're doing. That's ultimately just about it's about where your faith is with Jesus and how much you're willing to trust him by resting in him. Right? And doing doing the better thing and resting in Jesus was this frenetic activity that we go our lives with. So it's you know that's that's it. Yeah, wow, great. That's, that's great. Yeah, that's so cool. It's good to see this happening in your life, to be honest. It's really, really good. And how that's panning out, Bruce. Right. So we impose our overwork on others as their, as a solution. Yes, yeah, it? it not be work, it may be something associated with pride. Well, yeah. So Jesus is saying that's not going to happen. Yeah. So the He's Yep. the other person down. Yep. Yeah, the answer is not to take the other person down. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, if you follow the story through Martha gets this. She gets it and and you see a very different Martha emerging um, yeah, yeah yes, yeah, it's good, it's good, anyway. Yes. Yeah. So just repeating what you said, the good thing trips us up. It is a good thing, but it overshadow, It can overshadow Jesus and our receiving from him, our resting in him. Yeah, great stuff. I think Jennifer's... So it's like the secular liberalism that we've talked about today. Yeah. about how our culture does that. Like so We've taken great things like acceptance church. Yes. The we've made them the God. Yeah. And, um, and so there's all this fallout as well and the consequence about the pain. and the pain. Yeah. Yeah, Hmm. Kind of moving on time and things, and yeah, like he's always, yeah, a better thing to worship. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah.